Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. I'm, I'm honored to be opening up the word together and ending our series today uh, on, on I Surrender All. We've been in this series for the past few weeks. We've been in a season of prayer and fasting, as Pastor Brian said, and Our prayer, my prayer today, is that this would not be the close of a series and the end of a resolution, but that we would just continue this posture of connecting more with God than we are to the world, right? That's what fasting is, is disconnecting from the world and in order to connect with God. We want to be a place, we want to be a church that doesn't just do that seasonally, but we have a lifestyle that gives way to that type of connection And today we're going to kind of put a bow on this series and we're going to talk about prayer from a a 30,000 foot level and then zero down into a couple of things that I think are very important for us. But before we get started, I just want to introduce this concept and, and remind us just how important prayer is. You know, I believe prayer is oxygen for the Christian. It's like breathing. It's that important. I I don't think it's possible for me to stand up here and overstate the importance of prayer. A couple of theologians that I was reading over uh, this week in preparation for this had some uh, incredibly challenging quotes, and I want to read them to you as well. Martin Luther said it this way, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than being alive without breathing. It's like oxygen for the Christian. Matthew Henry, another theologian, said, said this, in this world, those who live without prayer live without God. See, you see, prayer is our means for communing and communicating with the one who made us. He's made it possible for us to meet with him, and the means for that meeting is prayer. It's the way we fellowship with him. It's the way we communicate with him. When, when we pray, we worship God. When, when we pray, we, we, bring, we give thanks and, and praise to God. And when we pray, we become more like God. We can pray anywhere at any time. We can pray out loud or we can pray silently. And, and God commands us to do it constantly and without ceasing. This, this concept of meeting with God, I, I think sometimes we take it for granted. And today I want to kind of drop on this room some gravity, some weight about the fact that we get to meet with our maker and that he has made it possible. Not only has he made it possible, but before the foundation of the world, he determined that it would be good to have a relationship with you. He determined that it would be good for people to be able to relate 
not in the way that I relate to another human, but relate in terms of a relationship to a heavenly father that, yes, is holy and, yes, is set apart, but he is also so loving and so humble in his willingness to stoop down and have a relationship with us. And the way that we do that is through prayer. And although we don't have to earn this presence, we don't have to gain access by earning it into his presence, it will cost you something. There is a price. And that's what we're going to talk about today. There's two very important things that I want to unpack together, and I put them in a title so that we can remember them better, and I put a lot of P's in there so that we can remember them better, and I don't know. We're just going to go with it, all right? So here's the title for today, The Price and the Prize of Prayer, and I'm going to give it to you because I like spoiling you know, the, the whole thing right here from the top. The price is persistence, and the prize is is his presence. The question I want to start with today is, are you willing to pay the price of persistent prayer? What does that mean? What does persistence mean? It means to be consistent, to be unceasing. It, it means to continue in the activity. I like that phrase, so I'm going to use it a little bit. Continue the activity. You may be praying, you may have been praying for years and years and years, and you may feel like you're not getting an answer. Can I tell you today that what Jesus is going to teach us through his word is you are to continue the activity. Be persistent. Be steadfast. Don't give up now. But Jared, I'm not seeing fruit. I don't even know if he's listening to me. I, I've, been, I've been asking him for that. Yeah, continue the activity. Jared, I've been praying for my husband. I've been praying for my daughter. I've been praying for my son to be saved, and it's been decades. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're bringing in here, but I know we're bringing a load. We carry these things. Maybe some of you have been praying for six years for God to heal you in that way, for God to make it possible for you to be that Continue the activity. This is what Jesus teaches. He teaches that there are answers. He teaches that when we seek, we will find. When we knock, the door will be open. We're going to look at Luke chapter 11. This is going to be our text of scripture for the day. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. I'm going to put up the CSB Christian Standard Bible. The reason I'm doing that is because Pastor Brian does that, and I'm trying to get on his level, okay? Christian Standard Bible. I don't think it's the best, but it's what... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was totally a joke. It is great. It's a great translation. And I, in fact, like this one because there's a few phrases that I want to highlight in the way that they put the language. Luke chapter 11. I still hear pages flipping, and it's like music, so I'm going to let it happen. Luke chapter 11, go ahead and, and throw it on the screen. Quick draw McGraw. Everybody give it up for quick draw McGraw in the back. Man, yeah. You've been doing this for longer than I've been alive back there on the pro presenter. Thank you for what you do. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Jesus was praying in a certain place. 
And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. exciting to anybody else or just me Lord teach us to pray not Lord teach us to preach not Lord teach us to do miracles not Lord teach us to heal not Lord teach us to do we've been watching you we've been watching your ministry and we need to learn all these things but the first thing on our mind right now the thing that we want to learn is to pray what does this tell us about what they've been watching what does this tell us about Jesus's posture and what's been coming off of him when he comes off of a certain place when he comes off of a mountaintop and he's been there for a long time and he comes back down and the apostles are watching him the disciples are looking at him like oh I need that I need to learn how to pray teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. Look at verse two. Jesus said to them, okay, whenever you pray, say, Father. I don't have time to tell you all the things about that, but that's amazing that he starts with Father because when we see God as Father, everything changes. When we look at him as loving, caring, long-suffering, as a good, good Father, everything changes. We don't come to him thinking that he's up there with a rod of iron and and angry and bitter towards us. No, yes, he has wrath against sin. And yes, he is also your heavenly father who loves you unconditionally. Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. And give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us and do not bring us into temptation. So Jesus gives them a model. He, he gives them a framework. He, he doesn't say pray these words specifically. He says pray like this. This is how you can pray. The, 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 the concept of coming to God as Father And asking him, reminding yourself first that he is holy and giving glory to his name. And then asking him to provide your daily bread. Asking him to forgive your sins, your most important need. Asking him to not lead you into temptation. This model for prayer, he he gives them an incredible, we call this the Lord's Prayer. I don't know that that's the best name for it, but that's what they've been calling it for a long time. And if you know me, I like to just ruffle feathers. So I'm just going to say, I don't know that's the best name for it because it can't be his prayer because he's without sin. So he's not asking to be forgiven of sins. So it's not really his prayer. It's kind of our prayer. Like he gave us a prayer, but it's his prayer to give us. Okay. Anyway, he gives this model and then he goes on and he launches into this story that kind of makes you scratch your head to illustrate how to pray. He launches into this story. Starting in verse five, Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because I have a friend on a journey and he's come to me and and I don't have anything to offer him. I, I need your help. And then verse seven, he will answer from the inside and, the, and he will say, don't bother me. 
the door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed and if they wake up, I'll never go back to sleep because they won't go back to sleep and it'll be 3 a.m. before we, that's not what they said, but that's what I would have said. I can't get up to give you anything is what the friend told the, the friend at the door. In verse eight, Jesus said, I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Shameless boldness was the key for the man to get up and give him whatever he needed. This is in the context of prayer. Remember, some of your Bibles, instead of shameless boldness, go back to that for me. Quick draw. You got quick on the draw right there. My friend, go back. There it is. Shameless boldness. Some of you on that shameless boldness have persistence in your Bible. Some of you have other words that describe this attitude, this posture. And Jesus is teaching when you pray, this is the key. This posture of persistence and shameless boldness is what brought the friend to the door. And then he goes on to verse nine and he starts to unpack it some more for us. And he says, Jesus says this, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Verse 10, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. We're gonna spend most of our time unpacking that that verse right there together. And Jesus continues on to explain, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, by the way, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more? I love that phrase. We're going to look mostly at verse 10 and verse 13, but I needed to give you the context for, this, for the stories here in the scripture and how Jesus is teaching us to pray. And we're going to break it down in two parts, as I already said, the price and the prize. So first, let's look at the price of prayer. What is your posture in prayer? Jesus is teaching us to be persistent, to have shameless boldness. I wonder if you could describe your prayer life that way. Shameless boldness, coming to the door and knocking with shameless boldness. That's what the man did at midnight when he came to his friend. Jesus uses this story to describe it. And, and it wasn't enough that the man was a friend. He, he had to have persistence. He had to have this posture. And to make sure that we understand that Jesus is talking specifically about prayer, he rolls right back into the teaching about asking, seeking, and knocking. And, and I, I want to teach a little bit here from the original language because the verb tense reflects keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on Knocking, not ask once, seek once, knock once, and everything will be. No, the, the point of the text is persistence. And so he's teaching us to keep on, to continue on. And notice how that increases a little bit every time, right? To ask, to seek, to knock. 
Seeking takes more energy than asking most of the time. It's a, it's a, it's a, a deeper thing. It takes more resolve and, and knocking even more than that. And Jesus is teaching us again to be persistent and continue on doing it in this way. You remember back in the day when we used to knock on people's doors? You remember that? Anybody remember that? Like, because now, now we just send a text, right? We give them a warning shot. Like, I'm coming. Are you there? Are you decent? Because I'm coming. You know, I'll be there in seven minutes, ETA, seven minutes. Think about the text we send. Do y'all ever think about the text we send sometimes? I'm like, back then, there was, I, I would just come up to the door and knock and say, hey, I'm here. You guys here? If they weren't there, I go home. I didn't ask them if they were there beforehand. And, and did, did you guys have like uh, secret knocks? For people like personalized, you know, like this is the this. Is the, I, I know some people had this one with me, like, yeah, you had that one. I had some other ones, like every neighbor in my neighborhood, all my friends, they had different knocks, right? Because I wanted them to know it was me at the door because I couldn't text them before. So it's like, it's like the Morse code, and then you give them a tap dance at the end or something like that. Like I had these. Secret knocks, right? But never, ever, ever have I ever had anybody come to my door and just do. I guess they're not coming. You know, I gotta go find another neighbor that loves me. But I think in prayer, we we just like kind of, I asked him, and he didn't answer. So I just went and figured out a different way to do it. Kind of had my own strategy. I said, God wasn't doing anything about it. Jesus said, no, no, like, <laughs> persist, persist. You just keep on knocking until your knuckles are blue. Because remember, I preached this once already. I've just, you just keep knocking. And I think that Jesus knew that even back then, patience was really hard to come by. But I'm telling you, today especially, it's almost like patience has totally eroded away from our culture. It's not in the DNA anymore. I can send you a text and tell you I'm coming and, and hey, I don't know if you're like me, but I call my wife sometimes and she doesn't answer. And I'm like, she had a wreck. She had a wreck. I don't know where she is. Like back in the day, you call people, they didn't call you back for two days and it's all good. They're working. <laughs> they got a life. Now I'm like, I knew I should have tracked her on my phone. I knew I should have had that life 360 thing or whatever it is. We don't have this patience because we have access to everything immediately. And if we don't like the answer we get the first time, we can just go find it from somebody else. If we don't like that one after a while, we go find it from somebody else. And then our life's just like this, looking for answers. Like, back and forth, back and forth. I can't hear God. You're not listening to God. You're listening to everybody else. And you came to his door and knocked once, got tired of it, and went to somebody else's door. I'm not trying to get on you this morning, but maybe I am. Because this is getting all over me. The price is persistence. Jesus is teaching us to be persistent because he says in verse 10, put it back on the screen, Luke 11, verse 10, everyone who asks 
receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. These are promises. The language is will. The door will be open. It's not if you, you knock in a certain way. No. Knock. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. You know what I love about this? You don't have to be smart to knock. You don't have to be talented to knock. You don't have to be the wealthiest to knock. You don't have to know all the answers to knock. You don't have to come in a certain way with the right get up to knock. You just, he just tells you to knock. Ask, seek. Charles Spurgeon, my favorite theologian next to Brian Hall, said it this way. <laughs> the way... The way to open heaven's gate is wonderfully simplified to those who are lowly enough to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance and ask, seek, and knock believingly. God has not provided a salvation which can only be understood by smart men. It is, learned, it is intended for the ignorant and the short-witted. Woo, you know, I, I think that means dumb. That's what I heard him say. I'm in. It's intended for the ignorant, the short-witted, and the dying People at the end of their rope. And it's as plain as knocking at a door. But while Jesus has made it simple, it doesn't make it easy, right? Some of you are like, yeah, 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 but it's not that easy. to keep on coming back to God, to keep continuing in the activity, even through decades of praying that prayer. Some of you left that prayer back there in 2012 because it just wasn't materializing and you got tired. So Jared, you could stand up there all day long and talk about being persistent, but you're not in my shoes because I was praying for that family member for 23 years. And it started to hurt too much. We want to be sensitive to that. We want to be sensitive to how hard it is to come vulnerable to God and be your true self. Isn't that interesting? He already sees it, but we still want to hide. It's difficult. It's simple, but it's not easy. We come to him out of control, submitting, giving up, saying, I need you, God. That's difficult for us to call on him persistently, to continue in the activities through the distractions, through the roadblocks, through the challenges, through the dead ends or what feels like a dead end. This is challenging to continue the activity and keep coming back with shameless boldness. Can I encourage you today? That you can come to him with this posture, persistent, shamelessly bold, because if, if you've been washed by the blood of the lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus Christ, when he spilled his blood on the cross, it was purposed and intended for those who call on his name in repentance and faith to be forgiven and now have a relationship with God and have 
access to him in this way. The author of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We don't come with this confidence because we deserve it. We don't come with this confidence because we have a right or we've, we, we, we have a right on our own. We come with confidence clinging to the finished work of Christ. If there's anything on your paper when you come into the throne room, it better be Jesus and nothing else. Not a negotiation with God because of how good you've been. That's how I thought it was. That's how I grew up. It's not my parents' fault because they were, they were trying to teach me. They were doing all they could. I'm just stubborn. And I'm over here thinking, I've got to be good enough and I've got to show my ledger to him. I've got to have a receipt for God and say, because I've done this, surely you're going to give me that brown hair, green eyed girl over there that I want so bad. So I've been praying for her for a long time. I've been praying for her for like, anyway, y'all didn't think that was funny. Okay, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Having your heart sprinkled clean with pure water, cleansed by the blood of the lamb. That's the only way we can come with confidence. But because of that, we can come with confidence. And that changes everything. Because when we sit before a holy and righteous heavenly father, we sit there and he sees Jesus's righteousness rather than our filthiness when we're in Christ. This is the power of grace to make us pure like the whitest of snow, to totally and completely cover you with his righteousness. Oh, that God would give us a glimpse of this invitation that we have daily, hourly, minutely, not a word, that we would be able to see that this is on the table, this invitation to draw near with confidence and to be persistent are you willing? Are you willing to come and surrender? Are you willing to forsake all others when you come to him? Are you willing to be persistent? Because the price is persistence. Jesus is teaching here. The more persistent you are in asking, the more readily you will receive. The more persistent you are in seeking, the more readily you will find. The more persistent you are in knocking, the more readily the door will be flung open for you. And that doesn't mean that you're going to get whatever in the world you're asking for. We're going to get to that. He's teaching you a posture. He's teaching me a posture. If you're like me, you quickly wonder what's on the other side of the door. What can I expect from this promise? Because Jesus gives us the promise in verse 10, and he gives us the prize in verse 13. Verse 10, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What do we make of this? Is Jesus trying to say that we ask him for anything according to our way and our will, and it will be given to us? Of course not. Of course that's not what this is. This is not a genie in the bottle, rub the bottle, get three wishes. In his mercy, God always answers prayers according to his wisdom. Let me say it this way. What God gives is not always what we think we need, but it is always what we actually need. 
Sometimes what's on the other side of the prayer is not what you thought would be there. Sometimes it's not what you were asking for and it's not in the right timing and you're confused about whether or not he's even listening. But I can tell you today, according to scripture and from my experience, that God's answer to your prayer is always the best answer. And he is answering. Thank God that he doesn't answer my prayers according to the way that I think it should go. Have you ever thought about that? Like we come to him and we want answers and we want it to be a certain way. But then like if you really take a step back and look at your life, I'll just speak for myself. When I look back at my past and the things that I was praying for that I was sure I needed. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. That dude, that dude, that dude that you were praying for, that you were, God, please make him my husband. Please make him my, I need that man. That man right there, star of the football team. Woo, I need you to, I need you. Some of you were begging him. But then last month you went into Ingalls and you saw him over there in the ice cream aisle. And you've never ran aisles so much in your life, thanking God for the, all the things that he kept you from. Praise your name, Jesus, that you didn't leave me in that place where I thought all would be right. Have you ever thought about the story of Joseph in Genesis 37 through 50 in that range? We see Joseph. Jacob's, one of Jacob's sons. Joseph had 11 brothers and a sister. We mostly hear about the brothers and we see how they were fighting because Joseph was kind of the one that was getting all the attention, getting all the blessing. He had the coat of many colors. He, he was the one getting the dreams from God and he was telling them about the dreams and the dreams were always kind of better for him than everybody else. So everybody, none of the family, the brothers liked him. And there was disunity, discord in the family. And I was thinking about this. Have you ever thought, like, what was Joseph praying back then? We don't see. We don't have a window into his prayer life in that way. But I, I, I think it would have been natural for him to be praying to God to bring the family back together, to unify the family, to help he and his brothers get along again, to reconcile them, to bring harmony Back to their family. I, could, I think it's natural to think that J Joseph probably prayed to God, would you bring us together again? We don't know if he prayed that, that way, but we do see that God did in fact do that very thing. He brought the family back together. But you remember how he did it? You remember how he brought them all back? It was a crazy story. He started by throwing them in a pit. And then in the pit where he was left for dead, the brothers decided that they needed to come back and bring him out of the pit and save him, but they weren't going to save him uh, back, to, back to home. They were just going to save his life and then sell him into slavery. So they, they sell him into slavery, and he's going off on this journey where he's locked up, slave, and then eventually he gets into this man named Potiphar's house and Potiphar has a wife who's, who's interested in Joseph and then there's this whole scandal and, and Joseph didn't do anything but he got framed for it and then he gets thrown into jail and now he's in jail for a crime he didn't commit. And then when he's in jail, he's, he's using his gift and he's helping with dreams and nobody's noticing him. 
And he comes out of jail and he gets this position because of all this that he's helping. And, and he gets in there and there's this huge famine in the land and people are starving. And all this, this is his journey. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm pretty confident that Joseph didn't come into his prayer closet and say, God, I really, I desperately, I, I ask you, can you bring our family together? And I've been thinking, can you start by throwing me in a pit? Then can you sell me into slavery? And then can you bring a famine on the land? And can you make it, he's just like, that'd be a way we could do it. But God answers according to his wisdom and his vantage point and his perspective. And praise be to God that he doesn't answer our prayers according to our wisdom. There's a quote from theologian John Calvin. He says it, he, he, he says it this way. God doesn't answer your prayers as you pray them, but as you would pray them if you were wiser. I thought so too. I don't know who connected with that like I did, but somebody did over here. He don't answer my prayers as I pray them. He answers them as I would pray them if I had his wisdom. When God, what God gives is not always what we think we need, but it is always what we actually need. Ask, seek, Knock. We see that God is not making a universal promise here that anything and everything that we ask of him will be granted according to our will and our way. He's actually giving us something so much better and so much bigger. What's the prize? He's giving us himself. The prize is his presence. We see in verse 13 where he gives us the answer. Luke chapter 11, verse 13, he says, How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask you? How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And this is, feels like a left turn. If I'm a disciple and I'm there and I'm asking him to teach me how to pray and I'm like, He's, he told me that I can ask and I can seek and I can knock and, and it, the door's gonna be open and I'm gonna find what I'm looking for and I can, like, Okay, so break this down for me, Jesus. Can If I ask for this type of thing, like as it relates to my family, you know, with a good motive, does that mean you're always gonna answer it? Like break it down for me this way, God. Like, does it mean that if I ask you something like this, that, but you, that according to my plan, but it's a good plan and, and it's in line, I, I think with what you're, does that mean if I, I can trust that you're gonna answer my prayer if I, if this is the kind of thing I'm asking for, and what we're doing is we're just trying to get ourselves a little bit more in the story, a little bit more at the top, a little bit more in control. And we're not comfortable. We're not comfortable with the wisest one to make these calls. It's for whatever reason, we need to be the one making the call. And Jesus doesn't say, I'll give you that if you ask that way. He says, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Something way better. Something way bigger. I'll give you myself. I will dwell within 
you, the Christian who has been forgiven of sin, trusted in the finished work of Jesus on their behalf, I'll give you myself. I will dwell with you. This is the promise of God. The prize is his presence. And in giving us the Holy Spirit, he gives us everything that we need. Look at 2 Peter verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. This is a very important part of scripture for us. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things related to life and godliness. By his divine power, he's given us these things. How? He goes on. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. How did he call us? He called us by the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna paint a picture here for you and I'm gonna weave through this how it's only possible through the Holy Spirit. Look at verse four. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. How? Through the Holy Spirit. So that through his promises, you may become partakers of his divine nature. You, you're gonna be able to partake in his, in his nature that is divine only through the Holy Spirit living in you, pushing out the darkness and bringing the light to the forefront, renewing your mind daily in the scriptures, illuminating the truth of scripture to you and, and washing it over your, your soul and your heart so that you're being transformed day by day. Only through the Holy Spirit are we going to be become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. The only way to escape, you guessed it, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The prize is his presence. And how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him, this is the prize. And you may say, but I've been asking for this. I've been asking for that. I'm really looking for answers today. You're talking about prayer. I'm in on that, but I'm really interested in knowing if I can get some answers. And with all the love that I have in me, I want to encourage you today that answers is not what you need most. What you need most is his presence. And so if you're here looking for answers today and that answer or those answers aren't Jesus, you're looking for the wrong thing. But if I could only know, if I could only see, if he would give me vision to see what's to come and if he would just chart the, I get it. I get it. I do the same thing. But he doesn't. He answers according to his wisdom. And most of the time, what we need is not to know the way. What we need is to know the Savior. And when we come year after year after year after year knocking on the door, what we know for sure, what we learn in the deepest part of us is that the prize is his presence. And the answers will come in their time. 
The answers will come in his time. And all the while, he's shaping us to be more like him. And all the while, he's fashioning us into his image. All the while, he's doing what we really need. He's giving us the fruit of the Spirit. If I had time, I'd teach on the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think I got it all that time, Chelsea told me. I would teach on that. Because these are the fruits of the Spirit that come out of the believer. These, this is what we need to walk through this life at peace with hope and joy. The prize is his presence. So we seek him. And we knock on the door expecting to see him. And there he will be. This altar was full this morning already when we were in worship. This place is a place where we try to make it free for you to be able to come up here or be in your seat or wherever you need to be to get along with God and, and, and be seek his presence. And what we've seen over time is the culture is being shaped by Christians, followers who, who come. And of course, we're asking for specific things. Of course, we're asking him to give us answers. Don't stop bringing specific petitions before God. That is extremely biblical. But understand all the while, the prize is not the answer unless the answer is Jesus because the prize is his presence. So when we're up here crying out, be with him. He is not hiding from you. Persevere. He's not making himself hard to find. Be Persistent, And not only is he not hiding, not only is he not hard to find, but he's calling. <laughs> that door that you're knocking on, Ken, is not open because it can only be opened by him. His power is on the other side of that door. Keep knocking, trusting that he's going to open it. This is the beauty of the Christian life, that he calls that he stoops down to have a relationship, that he cares and he loves enough to be re re relational. This is what separates the Christian life from other religions. I was on a plane 12 years ago on the way back from middle of nowhere, Kansas. Hutchinson, anybody? Hutchinson, Kansas? Anybody in the whole room? Nope, zero. That's awesome. Okay, just me. Don't go. It's awful. A lot of wind and nothing else, okay? except for one golf course that's really nice, and we had an event there. And I was coming back, got flights delayed, stuff got canceled because of weather. We're in the airport in Wichita, worst airport in the United States of America, as far as I know, and I'm in the airport, and I don't wanna be in the airport, but all the flights are delayed, all the flights are canceled, except for one going to Chicago, and that flight might get me home by midnight, so we took that flight, and then I go to Chicago, and of course, when I get there, we miss the connector, and that connector is gone, so now we gotta find another one. There are no other ones. You gotta stay in Chicago for the night. <sighs> Some of y'all been there, and you know what I'm talking about. I, that gets all over me. I am an impatient one, all right? I'm trying to get home. But God was setting it up for me to be on a plane the next day 
at 2 p.m. for crying out loud. Like, make it first thing in the morning so I can get home and get back to my business. No, first one was 2 p.m. to Atlanta. And I get on that plane, and I'm on row 17, and next to me is a young man, 18 years old, named Hussam, coming here to go to college at UGA. And we start talking, and I find out, I'm asking him about his family. I'm asking him about his faith. I find out that he's Muslim. He's telling me about God. And before he's really describing his faith as following Allah, I'm listening to him describe God and I'm like, sounds really similar to what I believe about God. And we're talking and and as he's telling me about what he practices and how he prays and how he studies and how he goes about life and, and how he lives and the decisions he makes and how he believes he's to be obedient. And he, he believes he's to, he's to confess and, and they pray. They pray all day long. They got times to pray. And there were two things that critically jumped to the surface for me when I was listening to him talk. The first one was his discipline runs circles around mine. And the second thing that I noticed is the picture of God that you have is really close to what we believe in the Bible, except for one very important difference. In fact, the important difference. There is is no exception to this difference, and that is Jesus, the person, the work of Jesus, the fact that Jesus is God, not just a prophet, not just a teacher. No, 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 Hussam, no, no, no. The Bible teaches that he is God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us in glory of the invisible God, full of grace and truth. He's he's, he's fully God and fully man. No, 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 Jared. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You don't understand. You don't understand. Big smile on his face, like creeped out by the smile. I don't know. I feel like we're really disagreeing, but you're smiling. I don't know. Like, oh, but, but he knows me. No, no, Jared, don't you, you, that's not, like, he's holy. He's too holy for that. He's too glorious for that. He's too set apart for that. He, you're too sinful for that, no offense. Like, no, 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 no offense taken, I know. I know. That's what I'm saying, like, he came and died for me. He paid the price for my sins so that I could have a relationship with him, don't, don't you see? And, and nothing's working, it's just hitting a wall, like, Jared, God is too holy. It's impossible for you to have a relationship with a holy God. There's no way that you can be close to him. And I remember getting kind of to the end of my rope and and, and, and saying to him, but Philippians 2 tells a much different story. And I opened it up and we're, we're looking at Philippians 2 at the beginning of the chapter and it's talking about, but, but Jesus was there in the beginning, equal with God, but he didn't count equality with God, a thing to be grasped or held onto. And, and he chose to be humble and take on the form of a servant and being found in human flesh, being born into this mess, choosing that path, He became obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And and then look what happened. Hussam, look what happened. God highly exalted him. And he's given him the name that is above every name. 
That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, his humility and his exaltation are not in conflict. He, he came down to me in flesh and, and he looked at me and he said, I know you're sinful and I know you can't make it on your own. That's why I'm here. Trust in me. And I'm saying all this and I'm, I'm feeling like I'm making a really good point and it's just like not going anywhere. Here's what marked me about that experience. One, I walked out of there more confident about the gospel and more confident about what Jesus had done for me. But I was also marked by the fact that he didn't budge. He was like hitting a wall. And I just kept knocking on the wall. And we're sitting in the plane, which is a great place to knock on the wall because you can't go anywhere, you know? Like, but he wasn't budging. And you take a step back for those moments. See, you don't know. I don't know what happened. I got his number. We texted and we continued on and we talked about some books and we had conversations. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I never had like a really great celebration to tell about his salvation. I don't know if he's been converted. But what it sealed in me, again, as you take a step back and you look at moments like that, you see that it has to be Jesus. It has to be the Holy Spirit that speaks to his heart. I don't, it doesn't matter how good my argument was. I felt good about it. Didn't matter. Some of y'all would not be surprised to know I was in the debate club. You know what I'm saying? I felt good. It didn't matter. Because the Holy Spirit has to do the work. The Holy Spirit has to call. The Holy Spirit has to soften. And then we have to respond. We have to respond. We have to ask, seek, and knock. So whether you're in the room today and, and, and you're, you're not following Jesus or you are, the response is the same. You come to him. You ask, you seek, and you knock. And you come to him in repentance and faith. Maybe it's the first time you're ever coming to him in repentance today. Maybe, maybe some of you in the room need to be saved, and he's speaking to you. He's calling you to himself. The response is to come and ask, seek, and not come to him asking for forgiveness, repenting of your sin, turning from your wickedness, and turning towards him, following him so that he can make you more like him. But if you're here in this room and you're following Jesus, still, this altar is going to be open to call out to him and ask, seek, knock in persistence. Crying out to him to give you what you need. And how much more, how much more will your heavenly father give to you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? The prize is his presence. The price is persistence. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to come here to this altar this morning and pick back up that prayer that you left on the altar 12 years ago? Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to come up to this altar today 
and persist for your own salvation? Ask him to save you. Can I tell you that that answer, there's no answer quicker than that one. It's, there, there is a, he's gonna save you. As soon as you turn back to him, as soon as you turn to him and cry out in repentance and faith, it's, it's, the price is persistence. The prize is his presence. Are you willing today to come and just be with him? Forsaking all others, coming in surrender? going to open up this altar when I'm done praying. It's open now. What am I talking about? It's open now. You come on whenever you want. We're going to worship some more. I wonder, I do wonder what you're going through. My heart is heavy for everything that's in this room. But even though I don't know what you're going through and I don't know exactly how to speak to it, I do know the one who knows it all. And I know that if you come today, and you open that up before him, he will give you more of himself. And you will have everything you need. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.